Please pray with me. Lord God, we pray that you might reveal yourself to us this morning in your power and in your glory, that you might speak to our hearts, Lord God, and draw us close to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. It is such a treat to see you all this morning. I don't know about you, but in my experience is that the things I saw and witnessed as a child shaped my understanding of how the world works and functions. Uh, things that I uh, saw or perceived as a child often are carried with me, and those images are still there. Uh, there's one such image that taught me about power and glory. And it might be the same thing for you all, too. It might be the same image. Uh, the source of my enlightenment about what power and glory were really all about was um, monster truck shows. <laughs> Is anybody else with me on that? Can I get an amen on this one? No? It wasn't particularly the monster trucks, though, that showed me what power and glory were all about. It was kind of the uh, halftime show of the monster truck show in which there was this thing called uh, Robosaurus or Truckosaurus that would come out. Does anybody know this thing? Am I, am I the only one here who ever knows what Truckosaurus is? Oh my God, okay, Wendy knows. That's right. So uh, typically you'd see this, it'd come on TV and it'd be like, one night and one night only at the Arco Arena. Monster trucks, Bigfoot, Gravedigger. You know, all these kind of cool trucks. And then they'd show, like, explosions and trucks driving over each other. And then they'd say, and for this special show, Truckosaurus. Forty feet of truck-crunching, fire-breathing monster. You know, and everything would shake. You don't, you don't remember this? Do you not have TVs or something? I mean, this was incredible. Right, Truckosaurus was this phenomenal creature. And the cool thing about Truckosaurus, right, is he came out like a normal 48-foot semi-trailer. But do you think he stayed like that? No, he was like a transformer. So from this 48-foot trailer, it would like unfold, right? And this, this monster would come up out of this trailer. And it, had, it stood 40 feet tall. It was powered by this 500-horsepower diesel engine. Right, so it was all like, and inside its head was the, the pilot of this thing, so it could drive around the track, and it had these talons that would like pinch, it could pinch up the cars, and then it had these enormous set of jaws, right, it looked like a dinosaur, like a T-Rex, and so it would like grab onto like a Nissan Sentra, right, it loved Sentras, I don't know what it was about Nissans, and so it'd grab it, and then it would kind of pick it up, and like rear its head back, and it had this little scream maker, so it'd go, you know, like a T-Rex, you know, because a lot of us have heard T-Rexes. Um, and, and then it had this compressed air inside of it that would blow out through its nostrils, right? Like it was blowing smoke. And then the creme de la creme of the Trachosaurus was it had this gas, like this napalm gas that could blow out of its mouth. And it would light the cars on fire. Isn't this amazing? I mean, this Truckosaurus, you can understand how I understood what glory was all about from the witnessing of the Truckosaurus, right? But it was a terrifying and fell beast, this Truckosaurus. And it's still, when I think of power and glory, this image of Truckosaurus dancing across the, the rink, like, sticks in my mind. 
I'm sure it does for you as well. <laughs> but you know what I was, what's that? This did, this truck did. I mean, I'm sorry, but I should have probably let this, you know this during my interviews here. But yes, this did shape my worldview. But I was confronted that my worldview might potentially fall slightly short of what true power and true glory is when I read Isaiah for this week. And Truchosaurus, I'm sad to say, compares, does not compare to God and his glory. And we'll see that in the book of Isaiah. So in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah is taken into the temple, right? And in the temple, he sees God in his majesty. The Lord God is on a high and lofty throne, and Isaiah is overcome by God's glory. We know he's overcome by God's glory because we get no description of God, except for the sole fact that Isaiah says the very hem of God's robe fills the temple. This speaks of the reality that Isaiah couldn't even describe anything else about God. All he noticed was this small detail, and that was God's hem completely filling the whole temple. God's presence was there so powerfully that Isaiah was overcome completely by it. But Isaiah was not the only one that was overcome by God. Even the seraphs, these six-winged creatures, were completely overcome by God's presence as well. And they spend their whole time in God's presence. They were covering up their face with with a set of wings and their feet with a set of wings, saying, I cannot see you, and the unclean parts of me are covered from you, God. And yet the seraphs there were also singing together, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The seraphs praise God all day long. And do you recognize those words? You ever heard them before? Yeah, they become a part of our liturgy. We call them the, the trisagion for three holies. That's a Latin word for three holies. It has nothing to do with like a triathlon or anything like that. Um, we also see them on the altar, right? Holy, holy, holy. That language has carried thousands of years forward to us. And we praise God with the words of those seraphim. Now, Isaiah's reaction to seeing the Lord in his glory is that he realizes who God is, which is powerful, pure, mighty, glorious. And he realizes who he is in response to God. And so he says, Woe is me, I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the king the Lord of hosts. Isaiah, when he witnesses God, is confronted by his sin, and he realizes that he is lost and that he is unclean. But God does not leave Isaiah there. Something remarkable happens in this moment. One of the seraphim goes and picks up a coal and touches Isaiah's lips with that coal. Now, according to the passage, where did the seraphim or the seraph get the, the coal from? The altar. the altar, right? Okay, now imagine you're a Jew living in the time of Isaiah, which is the 8th century BC. What was the altar associated with? What was the altar used for? Sacrifices for what? Bless you. For sin. Right, So on an altar, the sacrifices for sin were made, and those coals were used, used to burn up and consume those sacrifices. Now, 
Um, since that altar was a place that was associated with the atonement of people's sins, that coal that touched the lip of Isaiah points us to a greater reality of another sacrifice that was made 800 years closer to us. And what was that sacrifice? Christ. So that coal for us, that coal that purified Isaiah and took away his sin, we see as a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ and that it came from the altar is significant for us. So this coal touches the lips of Isaiah and it takes away his sin and his guilt. Now Isaiah, free from sin and guilt, is able to respond when the Lord asks, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? He can now say, Here am I, send me. Isaiah has been redeemed and transformed and made clean by the altar of the Lord. And now he can go forth in the power of the Lord to carry out his mission in the world. Now this happened 2,800 years ago, and that's a long time, right? And it's an experience that's foreign to many of us. I mean, probably very few of us have been taken into the temple of the Lord um, spiritually, powerfully, prophetically, and have seen God in his complete glory and power. Right? Is that a fairly unique experience? Yeah, very few of us. We get tastes of it, but very few of us have seen it like Isaiah did. So how then does this speak to us today? Well, according to the seraphs in the throne room of God, they say, the whole earth is full of his glory. What does that mean? The whole earth is full of his glory. It's everywhere you look, which means maybe you and I haven't been had this intense spiritual feeling of being taken into the temple and seeing God in his glory. But where can we see it? His glory. Everywhere. Everywhere. God's glory is all around us. But do we see it all the time? Yeah, oftentimes we choose not to. We kind of put on these blinders and don't see God's glory. We choose to see other things instead of it. But we are completely surrounded by God's glory. Are there moments in your life where you see God's glory and where have you seen it? Nature. Tell me about nature. Like, what things in nature point to God? Like, the, just the beauty of God's, the flowers that he casts all about, all over this world. What else? The mountains, children's eyes, absolutely. Storms. Yeah, you see this power, this intense rumbling and strength. What else? So we've got nature. Where else do we see it? Each other. That's right. We see it in the redemption, forgiveness, in a life that is redeemed for Jesus Christ. We see God's power and God's glory as well. It's beautiful that we are surrounded by the glory of God, and yet we are so blind to it. Now, the seeing of God's glory is one thing, but the response to God's glory is the key, isn't it? Right? It's one thing to witness it. It's another thing to have that witnessing transform our lives. And just like Isaiah, seeing God's glory, witnessing his power and his might, should bring about in us the reaction of Isaiah, no matter how good our lives might look. We should all say, I am a person of unclean lips. Woe is me. I am lost. Then in that confession, and in that turning to God, the coal of Jesus Christ touches our lips 
and his sacrifice of himself on the altar is given to us, and we are made clean through his sacrificial blood. After this, like Isaiah, we are enabled to respond to, the call, to God's call in our life and to go out into this world and to serve him as his witnesses. That's what we're designed to do. That's what you and I were built to do, is to respond to God and to serve him. And witnessing God's glory and responding to it allows us to do it faithfully. This week, my prayer for us as a community is that we would have eyes that can see the glory of God, that we can witness his powerful working in this world, and that we can respond to it with faith. Because I'll tell you what, Truckosaurus might have been awesome, but the power of God is so much more radical and incredible than anything a monster, show, monster truck show can offer up to us. Monster truck shows can't transform your lives, can they? What can they do for you? Just entertainment, right? But the power of God, the glory of God, can transform you and I can redeem broken lives, and can draw other people to himself as well. So may we be people who see God's glory this week through the grace of God and respond to it with faithfulness. And in doing so, may we be able to go out and serve as his witnesses in this world, proclaiming his goodness, his grace, and his glory to a world which is longing to hear a word of hope. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much that you gave Isaiah this powerful opportunity to witness you in your glory. Help us, Lord God, to have eyes to see you in your glory as well. May we respond to you, Lord, when we see your glory. May we fall on our knees before you, confess our brokenness to you, and receive your grace, that we might follow you as our Lord and Savior. And we pray, Lord God, that you would help us to hear your voice calling to us, respond to your call, and go out into this world to serve you and to proclaim your name. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.